Hello, everyone. My name is Emily Eager. I'm a third year emergency medicine resident at the University of Michigan. Um, I'm here with Dr. Nate Hunt um, for a new episode, and I will let him introduce himself next. Hi, everybody. Welcome to our EMS podcast. Um, I'm Nate Hunt. I know a lot of you. Um, I am uh, emergency medicine and EMS faculty at the University of Michigan. Uh, I am a former paramedic and emergency department nurse, for those of you I don't know. Um, and we are going to talk about our uh, Narcan Leave Behind program today. All right. So I will go into a little background on this program um, before we get to our discussion topics. So um, in 2020, rates of opioid overdose deaths um, actually rose quite a bit in Michigan. Um, and there's uh, data from the Department of Health and Human Services um, that shows that EMS responses for opioid overdoses increased by 33% from April to May in 2020 and still remain um, quite elevated. From April through July 2020, EMS responses for opioid overdoses were actually 22% higher than the same period last year. And also kind of during the COVID pandemic um, years, there's an increase in the number of EMS treated overdose patients that declined transport to an emergency department. And so this indicated that EMS staff um, may have been the only healthcare providers that many individuals interacted with after an opioid overdose, um, which kind of emphasized the importance of this pre-hospital care for patients with opioid use disorder. And so in response to these rising rates of opioid calls and um, overdoses, the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services announced this leave behind naloxone or Narcan program in August of 2020 that allows EMS first responders to leave behind naloxone kits with patients or their family members or friends um, or a bystander at the scene of an actual or potential opioid overdose. And the state health department um, provided almost $5 million in funding for this um, program. And this was enough for about um, a little over 66,000 um, kits. And so this funding came from the state opioid response grant, which was um, a federal, federal grant. So for the protocol, the kits that are dispersed um, include one Narcan nasal spray, um, kind of a safety advice pamphlet, a resuscitation face shield, and then um, resources for local treatment options for opioid use disorder. And so since the program was approved, 11 medical control authorities in Michigan have adopted the program. And um, about seven EMS agencies in the um, living, uh, sorry, in the um, local Washtenaw Livingston Medical Control Authority um, have adopted the protocol, and this includes HVA, Livingston County, EMS, and then about five um, surrounding fire departments. And so this protocol um, specifically indicates um, that any patients over 18 years old who have received nar uh, Narcan in the field and had improvement in their condition, um, or patients over 18 years old with opioid use disorder are eligible, um, and that um, they can receive a naloxone kit and if patients um, 
are transported, then the naloxone kit can be provided to family and friends on scene. Um, and then EMS providers can also probably dispose of any used needles and refer people to community peer uh, support resources. Um, so that is kind of a broad overview of this program. And so I think next, um, Dr. Hunt, I would love to hear from you, kind of your on the ground perspectives um, from responding to opioid overdoses and how you think that um, this program could potentially help this patient population. Yeah, so I think just to, to jump backwards a second um, and just to highlight, um, you know, this, this protocol is designed to leave a kit with practically anybody. If you respond to somebody that you think has opiate use disorder um, or somebody that you uh, have strong evidence, you treated with Narcan, they got better kind of thing, um, this kit can be left with the patient, it can be left with their friends, with family members, with really anybody. Um, you know, the state of Michigan and a lot of parts of the nation have really, you know, put naloxone um, at the forefront of combating opiate use disorder and opiate uh, use deaths. Um, and, you know, they've, they've made it available at pharmacies without prescriptions. They've made it available for emergency departments and hospitals um, to dispense. Um, so the whole idea is just to get it out into the community. Um, and so that's what this, this program is aimed at. But, you know, at this point, most of the people that are listening to this, uh, if not all, have responded to some sort of opiate use disorder um, or opioid um, overdose uh, type call during their EMS experience. Um, when I was a paramedic, we didn't have this kind of program. Um, we had a lot of um, opiate overdoses. So, you know, this was a pretty common occurrence. And, you know, for, as, as an EMS provider, this was sort of like one of those hallmark um, hallmark calls where you get on scene, somebody's barely breathing or not breathing, still has a pulse, you give the Narcan, and, you know, a couple minutes later, they're sitting up and talking. And, you know, it was it was a rewarding type of call to go on um, because you got to physically see the difference that, that happens. But one of the challenges, especially when I was practicing, um, was that we didn't have anything else to offer. Um, you know, we, we gave the Narcan, we woke people up, and then we drove them to the hospital. Um, we, at that point, weren't doing um, refusals on scene for opioid overdoses. If you overdosed, you got transported. It was plain and simple. Um, but you know, as we're seeing more and more of these um, refusals of transport, um, you know, having more naloxone um, on the scene, having more in the community um, really is, is a safety measure. Um, you know, people are going are gonna to use, um, you know, that's, that's not what we're here to prevent. Um, we are here to try and prevent significant injury and death related to opiate use. Um, so, you know, it's, it, it's a challenging environment to be in sometimes. Um, these are not necessarily um, uh, calm scenes. Uh, there can be a, a lot of personalities. There can be a lot of hostility. Um, there can obviously be a lot of scared, frightful people um, on scene. And so there are certainly challenges with, you know, calming everything down and being able to provide an incredibly valuable resource um, to people with opiate use disorder um, and to their their community um, at large. So, you know, I, I think this is an incredibly important program. Um, it's something that we should be offering to just about anybody. 
Uh, my personal practice in the emergency department is if I give you a prescription for an opiate pain medication, you're also leaving with a prescription for naloxone. Um, and I'm teaching you and your family member, friend or whoever's with you, how to use this and when to use it. So um, it's vitally important um, for the safety of our communities that, that we get this out there. So to transition a little bit, um, you know, as, as Emily and I have spent a lot of time talking about this and, um, you know, in preparation for this podcast, a number of, of topics of um, concern and consideration have come up and in conversation with our um, pre-hospital providers, firefighters and paramedics and EMTs and everybody, um, lots of different things have come up. So we're going to touch on some of those at this point. Excellent. Thank you. For your input. Um, so the first topic for discussion that um, I've been thinking about is kind of the competing interests um, during a pre in the pre-hospital setting when EMS is called for a potential or actual opioid overdose. Um, you know, like Dr. Hunt said, a lot of times after patients receive Narcan, they're awake and alert, maybe don't have any complaints um, and are doing quite well and may or may not require transport to an emergency department, um, but in other scenarios, people can still be quite sick and maybe um, opioids were partially related to what's going on, but not the full picture, and they're actually still quite sick. And, um, you know, in that case, what is the balance between prioritizing their medical care and um, treating them in the field or kind of getting to an emergency department as quickly as possible? And is there still a role in that scenario for providing Narcan kits to family members, friends, bystanders, um, versus trying to kind of get um, um, kind of out of the scene as, as quickly as possible? And I think probably across the board, well, I think the instinct is probably to prioritize the patient's medical acuity, but I think it's a kind of interesting uh, topic to think about. So I think, you know, certainly for our transport crews, um, you know, the, the patient care needs to take priority. Um, you know, if, if we neglect patient care or the patient has a bad outcome, then what we're doing, you know, doesn't really make much of a difference. So I think without a doubt, we have to prioritize the patient care. Um, but, you know, as you're getting ready to leave scene, um, and this is also a great role for our fire services and, you know, something I'd really like to see expanded throughout our fire services, is this is something that anybody can hand. You know, it's, it's got the instructions for use. It's got information on opiate use disorder. Um, you know, it really doesn't take anything but saying, hey, you know, here's naloxone. This is for reversing opiate overdose. Um, you know, there's more information in there and, you know, just quickly hand it off. I feel like most people in the opiate use community understand what naloxone is. They've seen these things. They may have used them before. Um, so, you know, there's not much more that needs to go into that. But when it comes to especially our transport crews, um, taking care of the patient is going to take priority. And, you know, if, if they have to leave a kit with somebody on scene with sort of less information that we'd like to provide, then that's better than not at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a nice segue into um, discussing who is the most ideal group to be um, dispensing the Narcan kits. I think this is all of a expansion of kind of like Dr. Hunt was saying, moving naloxone um, to like 
all parts of the community and reducing the barriers as much as possible um, to having people being able to access it. And I think putting it in the hands of um, pre-hospital providers um, is like paramedics is um, like a natural natural choice. But then pe other people who may be responding to these calls like law enforcement officers or fire department personnel um, and having them um, also being able to distribute the kits. Right now in, in our area, there are a few fire departments, like I mentioned at the beginning, but certainly more could adopt the program. And it's optional at this point for, you know, um, which agencies do want to adopt the, the program. So I think there's still room to grow. And then currently no um, law enforcement um, groups carry the kits to distribute. And so I think that's another um, kind of potential to increase the distribution. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, you know, our, our paramedics are most familiar with this for sure. Um, so it makes sense that they're the ones handing it off and doing the teaching. They use it on a regular basis. Um, but, you know, as I said, it's a super simple kit. Um, it's got all the stuff in it. Um, and, you know, if our transport teams are focused on patient care and getting off scene um, with somebody that needs um, acute care, then maybe up to the fire departments to provide that. Uh, it's, it's certainly you know, something that we can talk about with, with law enforcement. Um, it's just not made it that far yet. Yeah. Another topic is, you know, these days people are being asked to do more and more, and there has been a large burden on the EMS system, and particularly during and after COVID, there's, um, I think across all healthcare professions, um, not just pre-hospital providers, a lot of fatigue and burnout. And so is this just asking people who already do so much to do more? Um, I think that's really valid and, and I think it's important to, to make sure that people who are implementing the protocol actually have buy-in and that this wasn't something just kind of dropped upon um, pre-hospital providers to do. So it'd be interesting to hear your thoughts of, you know, what is, is this just asking people to, to do more? Yeah, without a doubt it is. Um, and that's the long and the short of it. Um, but, you know, one of the challenges that we experienced with um, the COVID pandemic, um, you know, with everything going virtual, with a lot of cancellation of uh, education and mandatory meetings and training sessions and things like that was, you know, the, the system still had to move. Um, so, you know, this, this was one of those protocols that came out during COVID when there was limited ability to sort of disseminate, especially in person, disseminate um, new information about protocols and programs and things like that. And so this unfortunately was one of the programs that just sort of fell into the laps of our agencies. Um, which is, you know, part of why we're doing this today, so we can get more information out. Um, but, you know, we, we as a healthcare system are continuously expanding and reshaping the way that we deliver care. Uh, and so a big part of that is EMS doing things that historically we've not done. Um, you know, we, we are treating more on scene than we ever have before. Um, we are, um, we're, we're seeing refusals um, of transport for various different reasons, um, you know, patient preferences and hospital burdens and things like that. And so we're trying to find 
ways to keep people out of the emergency department, ways to keep people healthier. Um, and, you know, in this case in particular, this is ways of preventing cardiac arrest. Um, you know, if, if you can act quickly on an overdose with a Narcan nasal spray, then, you know, rather than EMS responding to a cardiac arrest and spending 30 minutes on scene and transporting and all of that, you know, maybe this is just like a, hey, they weren't doing so well. And by the time you get there, they're awake alert and otherwise doing just fine. And we prevented, you know, major uh, morbidity and mortality. So I think it's worth it. Um, you know, again, it's pretty simple. Um, it doesn't take a whole lot of, of time or effort. Um, you just have to find somebody on scene that's willing to take the thing from you. Um, and, you know, again, my experience with the opiate use community is that they're more than willing to take things that are going to make them safer um, when they use. So I think it's it's worth the, the additional effort that it puts on our, our um, fire departments and EMS agencies. Yeah. I think another thing to add about the protocol itself is that the documentation burden is actually quite low. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be charted in the patient's record after the call. Um, and, I, and I don't think there, there is a place to mark that a kit was distributed, but it's not actually a requirement. And so in terms of kind of the increase in documentation burden, it, it's actually quite small. Um, and it's not, the kit is not actually in the medication box, um, but it's just entirely separate. And so it doesn't need to be restocked um, like at an emergency department. It's just kept at the um, agency headquarters and, and getting the new one is, is also quite easy. So a uh, low burden from that perspective. Anything else you'd like to discuss? Um, I, you know, I think the, the last thing um, that we'd like to touch on is just how important this is to this community. Um, you know, without a doubt, uh, the COVID pandemic caused a ton of havoc throughout healthcare, throughout communities, throughout the, the world. Um, and one of the, the down, downfalls, one of the negative, most negative things that we saw throughout the pandemic was um, a wildly increased use in um, substances, both opiates as well as lots of other substances and alcohol. Um, and as a result, you know, we, we have seen more uh, opiate deaths um, than we have seen previously. Um, we've got a reversal agent. We've got something that will make this, um, this community safer. Um, it's something that we do in the emergency department. It's something that pharmacies do. Um, EMS sees these patients sometimes more than the emergency department does because we're signing them off uh, without transport. So I think this is a vitally key program um, for pre-hospital care uh, that will make our communities safer. That was a great summary. Thank you. All right. I think with that, we will conclude our conversation. Um, again, I'm Emily Eager. I'm a third-year EM resident um, working in the harm reduction space. Um, talking here with Dr. Hunt, um, one of our EMS faculty. Um, thank you all for listening. And I think that with that, we will conclude this episode. Thank you all for listening. Thanks, everybody. Take care. Be safe.